96.5 KLH, good morning. Dave and Doreen along with Marcus. Good morning, KLH, welcoming our Green and Gold Insider, three-time Wisconsin Sports Writer of the Year, co-host of Wilde and Tausch on ESPN, Jason Wilde to the show. Good morning, Jason, and Happy New Year. How are you? Uh, I'm okay. Yeah. Yeah. That uh, incident really kind of puts it all into perspective on what happened to uh, DeMar Hamlin. Do you think there's, I mean, is there any need for them to truly make that game up? That's kind of been a discussion here on the show this morning. What do you think? Yeah, I, I just don't know. Like, obviously those players that were on the field for both the Bengals and for the Bills uh, saw something that they never, ever think about seeing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I I don't, you never want to see a guy who uh, suffers a serious injury, like a neck injury, which, you know, I've seen that with Terrence Murphy in 2005 in Carolina, Nick Collins in 2011 in Carolina, and Jermichael Finley in 2013 at Lambeau against Cleveland and so many other times, way more times than you ever want to see it. And I always would get a pit in my stomach as I watched it. But what happened is just so far beyond that. I don't know when those guys that were on the field that saw him, you know, getting CPR and getting the shock to his chest, I don't know when you're ready to get back on the football field after seeing that. Like, you can you can get to a point mentally to keep playing the game. It's not easy. But after a, a guy is, you know, let, leaves on a backboard, it, it's still traumatic and scary and upsetting. But I've never seen players reacting that way. As You know, I didn't see the play. Uh, I was coaching Sid's basketball team. And one of the other coaches, when practice got done, was looking at his phone and said what ha- had happened. Mm-hmm. So I haven't seen the play. I don't want to see that. But I think it's almost as upsetting to look at those guys on the field and the emotion on their face and the right. openly sobbing or weeping. And so I don't know how you get those guys back out on the football field anytime soon. You know, I didn't know the story. It happened before I was born. Uh, which is obviously a long time ago, of Chuck Hughes, who played for the Lions, uh, who died during a game in 1971 against the Bears. Wow, I didn't know that either. Yeah, it's the only time that it ever happened. And so going back, I've read about, like I just could not get to sleep last night because, and, and this is something that I have always wrestled with. I mean, I'm on your show. I have a radio show of my own with a former NFL player. I have been in the Packers locker room for 27 years. And anytime I was talking about this with Sydney on the drive home, because she was, you know, as we talked about it, you know, she's a pretty mature 11 year old and, and talking about the risks that these guys take. And I said, look, you know, the NFL pays our mortgage. Mm-hmm in a way, right? right? They 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 pay for your basketball shoes and 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 I have always feeling guilty is too strong of a phrase. But there's always been an uncomfortability or a um concern that 
we rely on me covering these guys who really do put themselves at risk every time they step out on the field. And not to the degree of what we saw last night, but I'll tell you, I've said this before to people, like early in my career, I covered everything for the State Journal, including uh, auto racing. And I said, look, I can't, I can't do that. I don't want to cover anything where I think somebody might, there's a chance that somebody could die. And that's what happened. Yeah. And it is really hard to see that. And for a lot of fans, and this is not a, a critique of them at all, it's they don't have the opportunities that I have. But these guys, you know, some of them you see them as invincible. They can do anything. Um, some of them you just see as the guy who got you 12 points on your fantasy team. Uh, some of them you see as the guy who dropped the pass in a crucial moment. You're angry with them. Um for me, I know these guys. Like I see them every day, and 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 they're, in one way, demystified because they're basically. And I tell people this all the time: they're the guys I work with. Yeah. You know, there's the writers that I work with, and then there's the players that I work with, and I talk to every day. Um, and they're also humanized, and we talk about all kinds of stuff, like Jordan Love, whose girlfriend played volleyball at Oregon asking about Maddie's volleyball team and how, you know, me telling him that seventh grade volleyball is a little bit tougher to watch, I'm guessing, than college volleyball. (laughs) But these guys are real people to me. And then when you see, you know, the Nick Collins one is probably the hardest for me because I got to know him really well and I got to know his agents really well. He went through a period after um, having some really good seasons where he – skip the off-season program wanting a long-term contract extension. We've got five kids, and they he got it worked. He got his contract extension, and then months later he suffers a career-ending neck injury. And we all think about how much money these guys make, but in that instance, if he doesn't take that step to get a long-term deal, his ability – because remember, that money doesn't last forever, and you have to go out and get a real job eventually. But that completely changed his ability to thrive after a career-ending NFL injury when he had probably five, six, seven, eight more years of football ahead of him. So mm-hmm. it's just, I just kept thinking, you know, obviously DeMar Hamlin's mom was at the game, so mm-hmm. then you're thinking as a parent. It just, uh, it's been a really long time since I've seen something like that related to my job where I just I didn't know how to process it. What is your approach going to be when you do walk into the Packer locker room? Uh, what kind of questions do you ask? What do you, what do you solicit from the players? I guess th- there's a couple of things that I, I am curious about. You know, one is these guys all know the risks, right? They mm-hmm. know that there's a risk that they could suffer a major injury. They don't think about it, but they also know that there are, you know, the kind of injuries that you leave the field on a backboard and you're worried about whether you have yeah. feeling in your extremities. That is, but that's as bad as that you think it's going to get, mm-hmm. right? And you make some sort of bargain with yourself to figure out a way to play the game anyway. Um, I'll tell you this one, and he's out for the year with a neck injury himself. But one of my all-time favorite guys that I've covered, Micah Hyde, is a member of the Bills. Right. He plays safety for them. 
Mm-hmm. And so this is a guy who is one of his, you know, teammates and friends. And I would, I would never reach out to Micah this quickly, but at some point, you know, I, I will because he, he's one of the all time great guys. And, and I have always, he and I have always had a really good connection and we keep in touch even since he left Green Bay after the 16th season. But I just, I, I don't know how you handle it. And I would love to have someone as smart and as articulate as him try to talk me through that because I, I, I don't know how players get back on the field or when they're able to, you know, the, the whole idea of playing for Lamar Hamlin seems very hollow and trite because of what you saw him go through and, and your hope that he is going to be okay. Right. What does the NFL then do? When do they come out and make a statement? When do they decide what happens? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I know that Troy Vincent, who I went to college with at UW, um, was the kind of forward-facing person for the league last night, and he did a conference call after midnight. Troy Vincent claimed that they never really talked about resuming the game. Now, there were reports out there that uh, it was basically Sean McDermott, the Bills coach, and Zach Taylor, the Bengals coach, who was, Mike former Sh- Packers head coach Mike, Mike Sherman's son, son-in-law, yeah. Who who basically said, look, we can't put our players back out there. I don't know what the truth is there. Troy claims that, that was, they never talked about resuming the game. I'm not sure I believe that. Um, but the bottom line is, is they have to figure out something. Um, they have to make a decision. I don't think they have to play the game. Like I, I do think that you, it's the last week of the season – that's coming up. These teams do have one more game to play. It does affect playoff seeding, all that stuff. But again, if we're truly empathetic people, the number one thing you have to figure out is how do you get these players who saw something that very few, if any, players have ever seen, uh, none since 1971, um, how do you get them back to a place where they can play football? Because here's the thing that I was unnerved by as it took a while for them to cancel the game. You have to have such a level of focus in this sport to be effective and to be safe that I I certainly hope it's true that they never considered playing because I, I just, I can't imagine these guys are asked to compartmentalize a lot of things. I can't imagine how they would have compartmentalized that. So what do you think the NFL's reaction will be to try and prevent something like this from ever happening again? Or is there a correct answer to that question at all? Yeah, I, I, that's a good question too, Marcus. I mean, you know, I, I obviously I watched a few. There were a few doctors that chimed in on this um, and talked about this this concept, and, and I don't want to pretend no, no more than I do. But there there is a theory, and, and I, I've seen this before, where if, you, if there is a... Um, a trauma to your chest at just the right split second in the electrical wave of your heartbeat that it can cause cardiac arrest. And, and again, I haven't seen the play, but my understanding is it is not in any way look like any other different tackle that you see in a game. Right. And so there's a, that's a fairly common theory that that might be what it is. And to me, that is unpreventable. Like that is literally a one in a million plus, mm. I don't know what the chances are, but if, ha- if that's what happened to him, I don't know how you prevent that. 
because it is so unlikely to happen. And so, you know, and, and again, we don't know. There, there could be a pre-existing condition. We don't know about all these other things. But again, at some point they have to figure it out. And I thought back to another thing that Sydney and I talked about on the drive. I told her the story of Hank Gathers, who played basketball at Loyola Marymount. I was in high school at the time and who collapsed during their conference tournament and died of a heart attack on the, on the court. And their team was one of the top teams in college basketball, and his best friend was Bo Kimball. I told her that whole story about how they went to the NCAA tournament. They actually reached the Elite Eight, which no one was expecting them to do after what had happened. And Bo Kimball shot his free throws left-handed in the first game because his friend Hank Gathers was left-handed. But they eventually did play. And so, obviously, that is going to happen for these teams. I just don't know how you get from where we are this morning to getting to there. Thank you, Jason. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you later in the week. Take care. Be good. You too. Jason Wilde. He's our Green and Gold Insider.